Welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast, helping you to forge a lifelong reliance on God. To find out more about the Foundry Church or how to get involved, visit us at thefoundrychurch.com. Or putting your money on LA Rams, right? If that's you, let's hear a cheer, right? If you think the LA Rams are going to win the Super Bowl, nobody, nobody thinks LA is going to win. Because I, call, I called it earlier, right? I, th- I thought at the beginning of the season they're going to win. What about Cincinnati Bengals? All right. That's disappointing. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Is there, is anyone who's like, I don't care. I'm just there for the food and the commercials. <laughs> that's the real, that's right. All right. Now listen, hey, whether you're an avid uh, football fan or uh, you just kind of jump on the bandwagon of one of the two teams in the Super Bowl each year, like Kirsten with the Bengals. Or, or if you're just here for the soup afterward, right, we are excited about today. And so hopefully you got a terrible towel because we like to celebrate. I've been told not to call them terrible towels because they are, that's a Pittsburgh thing. So we're going to call them rally towels. But listen, we've been doing Football Sunday for a few years now, and I've wanted a rally towel this whole time. So I think it should be a foundry tradition that every, every Sunday when we start, we just wave, wave our towels. But uh, just a little bit of fun, a little bit of uh, opportunity just to celebrate any reason really we kind of we take upon ourselves here at the foundry. So here we are, Football Sunday 2022. It all started in September. 32 teams are in the NFL, there's 16 in the AFC, and there's 16 in the NFC, and now just two teams remain. Like we said, right, if you didn't know until today, it's the Cincinnati Bengals, like we said, they're all from Ohio, I'm sorry, or the LA Rams. All right, so we did our poll, and I think the majority of you are here just for the food and the commercials, all right? But listen, I want to talk about these two teams for a quick moment. First, we have my wife's team, the Cincinnati Bengals, or as she has affectionately called them her entire life, the Cincinnati Bungles. All right, the Bungles, because they, at least until this year, have been pretty awful. Right? They've always found a way to bungle things up, to, to mess things up. And listen, two years ago, the Bengals only won two games. I mean, two games, right? They were 100% better than my, my college team, but, but they only won two games, right? No one saw this year for them coming, right? The last time the Bengals won a playoff game was before text messaging was even a thing. Like, literally, no one saw them in the Super Bowl, Except for their quarterback, maybe Joe Burrow, or their, their, their star-wide receiver, Javon Chase, or their amazing kicker, Evan Money McPherson, right? Her favorite player. Her favorite player is the kicker. All right. And now, the entire city of Cincinnati is orange and black, the Bengals' colors. And my niece and my nephew who live there, they don't even have school tomorrow because of the Super Bowl. Right? And people are pulling out their jerseys from the 80s and they're getting ready to party uh, like never before. And then we have the LA Rams, the other team in the Super Bowl, the team that I think is going to win. 
right, the, the most surprising thing about, about this team is that this is the first season for their quarterback, Matthew Stafford. And it is also the, the first time that he's ever won a playoff game in his fairly long NFL career. And to be fair, though, if you know anything about football, he comes from my childhood favorite team, the Detroit Lions. So it really shouldn't be a surprise that winning is new to him, all right? <laughs> hey, but I called it at the beginning of this season. The Rams in the Super Bowl, because of Stafford and because of their defense, they have a great defense, right? Now, here's another interesting fact that I learned about the LA Rams, they are known as the melon heads. I don't know why. Uh, I don't, is any, I mean, they wear watermelons on their heads before the games. I don't know. I, that's just some information out there. I'm just sharing the facts. I don't know if that's going to help them or not in the big game. But here we are, right? Here we are, right? Houday Nation, the Bengals, and the melon heads of LA. Bengals versus Rams, one game to decide it all, right? One, one game, one team to reign supreme. Now, I want to I talk about that word for a quick second, right? The, the word reign, the word reign, right? Sure, by the end of today, there will be one team that reigns in the world of professional football. They'll reign supreme. But that word reign is bigger than that. Right? That, that word is, is bigger than the, the land of the rams or the, the jungle of the, the Bengals, right? Reigning over the rest of the NFL. And not to, to juke anyone here, right? You see what I did there? Reign was one of Jesus' favorite words, right? And when he said reign, right, he, he was not just talking about a king sitting on a throne or a, a president sitting in the Oval Office. He was talking about this, the God of the universe reigning over all things. And that's what he was talking about, the God of the universe reigning over all things. In fact, here is a, a fun little kernel. Jesus used the words reign and kingdom interchangeably. All right? All right, Jesus sits as king on the throne of the universe. And his kingly rule, right, his, his kingdom, his, his reign governs all things, over all things. Right? The, the basic meaning of the word kingdom in the Bible is God's kingly rule, his reign, right? his, his actions. His, his lordship, his sovereign governance, right? It's all the same thing. And Jesus talks about it over and over again, right? One of the first things Jesus said in his public ministry was this. Let's take a look. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he said, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God, right? The, the, the reign of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And he kept saying it. He kept saying it over and over again. He kept talking about it over and over again. This kingdom, his, his reign, his governance over all of creation. In the ESV translation of the Bible, uh, the Bibles that are in the seats there uh, that you're sitting on, and the Bibles that you can take with you, they're free for you. In that translation of the Bible, 
Uh, the word kingdom, in regard to meaning reign and governance over all things, is mentioned 126 times in the Gospels alone. 126 times in the Gospels alone, the first four books of the New Testament detailing Jesus' life and ministry. And if there's anything that I've learned is that when something repeats itself that many times, we should lean in and kind of pay attention to it and peel that onion a little bit. And if Jesus talking about it doesn't kind of get us fired up, listen to this first interview that we have today with Ben Roethlisberger after a press conference in his last game in the NFL just a few weeks ago. Now, I know, like, Bengals fans, like, they're your mortal enemy. <laughs> but, but so keep your booing to a minimum while we watch this short right, clip here. I try and tell those guys um, a lot that we, how lucky are we that we get to play football for a, for a living. Um, we need to, to count our blessings and understand how, how lucky we are. Yeah, we're out there getting beat up and this, that, and the other, but we get to, to entertain millions of fans and, and throw, catch, run, do, do what we've all done as, as kids. That's our job now. And it's just um, we need to, when we say our prayers, thank God for that. Mark, how much over the years have you seen a lot of teammates go through the, the end of their career phase? How much has this point been something you thought about happening eventually and maybe how did the way this played out? Yeah, I don't know if it's if it's emotional because it's just the end of the season. I mean, this would be emotional no matter what. It's, you know, we, we never like to lose and go out and I'll miss these guys. Um, it'll probably really hit me um, come training camp time. What's next for you, Ben? I'm sorry? What's next for you? You know, I'm going to do everything I can to um, to be the best husband and, and father I can be and, and try and expand um, um, God's kingdom. Now, without hesitation, right, when, when Ben Roethlisberger is asked what is next, right, he's retiring, what is next, that's his last game, what is next, what, what are you going to do? He says, I want to be a better husband, and I want to expand God's kingdom. Right, I want to expand God's kingdom. So listen, everyone is talking about the kingdom of God. So let's keep digging in. Let's talk about it. Right? By the end of our time here this morning, before we get out there to the soup, I hope to answer this question. What does it look like to be a person, right, someone who's forging their life on God, to be that person living in the kingdom of God? Right, what does it look like for us to be in living in the kingdom of God? And it has been my experience that the, the place to get information to answer these types of questions is to go straight to the source, right? If you want to know more about football, who would you rather go to, right? Would you go to one of the famous football coaches that are actually in the Super Bowl this year, like, like Zach Taylor or Sean McVay, or would you go to like the Kardashians or something, right? Who would you go if you wanted to know more about football? You would go to the Zach Taylor or Sean McVay, the, the head coaches that are in the Super Bowl, right? Obviously, you would go with them, right? They have the experience. They, they have the knowledge. They are the best source for your questions, whatever the, the question may be. And the same is true in the reign in the kingdom of God, right? Any, any answer to a question about the kingdom of God will be answered in the, the person of Jesus, and who he is, God in the flesh. 
And so to get our answers today, we're going to focus on three words. They are seek, serve, and surrender. Seek, serve, and surrender. The first one, uh, seek, right? Seeking and seeking and, and looking, right? When you hear the word seek, what is the first thing that you think of? Uh, if you're like me, it's hide and seek, right? Did you say it? Okay, that doesn't count. But if you're, if you're like me, it's hide and seek, right? Now, little, little known fact about me. I am amazing at hide and go seek, like absolutely amazing, undefeated in the shallows neighborhood of my hometown, undefeated in hide and go seek, right? right? When we were growing up, we actually called it sharks and sardines. That's what we called it, right? And if you were a sardine, you hid. And if you got found, you became a, a shark and you had to go keep looking for everybody else. You were it if you were the shark. You were hiding if you were the sardine. And one epic day, me and some friends, we were playing this, and I hid in a chest freezer in someone's garage. Right? So I'm in that chest freezer in the middle of summer, eating my ice cream, hiding, (laughs) right, in this chest freezer. And they could never find me. This was just one of many times where they just had to give up and go order pizza or something. (laughs) Right? I was so good at it. They, they were seeking me, seeking and trying to find me. Everyone else was found, and they all had to try to find me, and they couldn't do it. I was in the freezer, eating popsicles and ice cream, living life as the undefeated champion of the shallows. Listen, I, I, was, I was in there for far too long, uh, far longer than I would like to share. But here's the truth about seeking Jesus. He's not like me hiding in that freezer. He's not that stupid, right? No, he wants to be found, right? Jesus wants to be found, right? He, he plays sharks and sardines like my little nieces. Last week while I was helping my mom with some things, my, my nieces decided to play hide and seek around the house. And while we were sitting there in the dining room table looking over some paperwork, one of my nieces, Hannah, she came up with her finger over her lips and she said, shh. I'm going to hide here. And so she bent down and she hid right there in the middle of the dining room, right? And then to her utter surprise, she was found right away, right? But that silly picture of a little girl hiding in plain sight is what we should think of when we are seeking Jesus, when we're seeking answers from Jesus. He is standing out in the open, right? He's the, the worst hider ever. Right? His arms are wide open. He's saying, seek me, and I'll answer any question you may have. That's what he's saying. That's what he's doing. Listen to how some of these NFL athletes, uh, what they have to say about seeking in this next clip. For a person to seek God, uh, I think it's, it's a person to seek truth. You know, I, I think our hearts always long to seek something. You know, to seek satisfaction, to seek gratification, to seek peace. It's something that that you have to that you have to do. You have to actually be in pursuit. We're called to not only just sit down and expect God to come to us, but we're called to chase after Him and seek after Him. You know, seek ye first the kingdom and uh, all His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I mean, it doesn't get any more blatant or plain than that. That. It's important for us to get our priorities straight.
coolest thing about it, man, is like when you intentionally seek something, it's for a purpose or a specific reason. And I think, you know, in our hearts, we're all longing for something. We're all longing for that, that peace and that joy and that satisfaction. So usually when I'm, seek when I'm not seeking God, I'm actually not reaching far enough. I'm not even reaching my potential. We put our heart into all these other things, all these worldly things. And we have to turn them from those things just to look at God because he's counter to all those things. Seeking his kingdom is counter to seeking the world. And for me to seek God now, and I just look back on these times of my life where I'm, I'm, you know, smack in the middle of uncertainty where something happens. And I feel like that's my most peaceful times because I don't, I, I'm, you're literally walking blind. You're, you don't know what's next. Because of that uncertainty, it puts you in a, a place of seeking and understanding what real faith is about. Regardless of the situation, you know, that's kind of what, what Paul is talking about, whether I have, you know, a little, I have a lot. I can do all things through Christ, and that's that's really what that means, you know. And no matter the situation, we have to be seeking His face. Whether I'm trying to help somebody or change something, I'm like I can't do it on my own. And that's when you kind of realize, okay, I've been put here to get this accomplished, but I can't do it on my own accord. And I continuously, you know, seek guidance, seek wisdom, and like I don't know how I'm going to get this done, but God, I, I need that direction. And you have to make time and be intentional about. You know, living that life of Christ and seeking Him, and seeking Him in the most fundamental, most basic ways. All right. All right, listen, those guys are not just good at football, right? They, they get it. They're understanding what we're talking about. In the middle of uncertainty, in the midst of just questions and, and, and hopelessness, or even just trying to find a purpose and direction and, and see that vision that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Right? Jesus says, seek, seek, seek me and my kingdom, my ways, my will, and I'll give you answers. I'll direct your steps. He's saying pray for those answers. Talk to your friends and, and your fellow believers about those answers. Pick up your Bible and search and seek him through his word, right? He's saying, wait, he's standing there waiting there with open arms and with answers. All we have to do is seek after him. Now, Vincent, Vincent Ray, former uh, Bengals linebacker, was experiencing some of the questions that we're talking about. And he had been with the Bengals for nine seasons, and, and there were nine very rough seasons at that. And he and his wife, Noel, were at home in Cincinnati trying to figure out what to do next. And listen to him as he tells this story, as he's seeking. All right, see what he has to say. So uh, a lot of our friends who I had either played on the same team with or maybe I just knew them here in Cincinnati. They were leaving the city and I was done with football. I was retired and Noel is like, hey, what do you think? Should we stay here or not? And I kind of just put it back on her. And she said, well, I don't feel called to leave. And I was feeling the same way. But we prayed, we prayed together and literally the next morning, we're outside going on a walk with the kids. I think it's like, sometime during COVID, I don't even know when. Yeah, but it's all a blur. Yeah, it's all the same thing, right? But we're all outside on the walk, you know, FaceTime from Lamores and his wife, Megan, and they said, hey, we would like for you to be the next chaplains. What do you think? And it just, it was absolutely God's timing. He was speaking to us there, and we think that we are in his will. 
and we're glad to be serving with them. All right. Now, you may not have caught that, right? Ray's career was over. He had just retired. His, his football friends, all his teammates were either being traded to uh, different cities that were far away or they were too retiring and moving uh, away. And he didn't know what to do next. He was losing his community, his, his friends. Uh, his kids' friends, you know, were leaving. He was feeling lonely. So he and his wife, they, they sought God. They, they prayed. And the very next morning, he got a, a call from the chaplain of his team, the Bengals, and he found his new calling. Right? His, he is now the, the new chaplain of the Bengals football team, and he's changing lives for the kingdom. He was searching. He was seeking for purpose and, and direction and answers. Right Later in the, the interview, he was asked about how he felt about being the chaplain during this amazing season, and he, he said this, I'm happy the Bengals are winning, but what I'm, I'm thinking of is, is them 10 years from now, thinking of them 20 years from now when football is done, that they know who they are, that football is what they did, but it's not who they are. Who they are is, is they are human beings. They are the crowning creation of God. Secondly, if they are following after the Lord, then they are children of the Most High God. Right? He, he's continuing to seek Jesus and to show others how to as well. Seek after the kingdom of God. Right? Bengals nation winning is great. But when the, the cards are, are down and the, the Bengals stop winning, right? Vincent wants to make sure that the, the players in his, in his congregation, right, know who to seek after. So if, if one hallmark of, of what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God is seeking Jesus, right, the, the, the next mark is one that might feel just a little bit uh, difficult, or, or might land with a little bit more oomph, and that's sacrifice or surrender, right? A little bit more painful. Let's, let's take a look at this, right? When we, when we talk football or sports and athletes and, and football players and the NFL, surrender is not usually a word that comes to mind, Right? I mean, it's not a word that comes to mind. In fact, we probably think the opposite, right? Never give up. Keep fighting. In fact, one of the, the most famous halftime speeches, uh, coach speech of all time, was given by a Notre Dame coach, Newt Rockney. It's a true classic, this speech is. It's this speech, if you've seen the movie Rudy, when he's a little kid in his bedroom, and he's like reciting stuff on the radio, he's reciting Newt Rockney's famous halftime speech in his bedroom. And it goes like this. I'm going to do my best, Root Rockney. <laughs> We're going to go inside of them. We're going to go outside of them, inside of them, outside of them. And when we get them on the run, he says once, we're going to keep them on the run. And we're going to go, 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 go. Right? And we're not going to stop until we go over that goal line. And he goes on and on and on. And he goes on like this. And today we still repeat it. Right? We still listen to it before big games these athletes do. Right When they're trying to get hyped up, we go, 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 never surrender. We're going to go there. We're going to go inside, and we're going to go outside. But things are a little bit different in the kingdom of God. 
Sure, we'll fight, right? We're called to fight and to pray and to, 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 to work until the end, right? We even sing about it today. If we're not dead, it's not done, right? But it is not by our power that we do it. It is only by surrendering to our Lord and to his power that we're able to achieve anything, right? Let me, let's get some help from these NFL players to explain what we're talking about in terms of surrender. The word surrender to me is always one that I struggle with because to me it deals with responsibility. Where usually you, you think of it as a place of weakness, for me it's freeing because the responsibility is no longer on me, it's on God. It's more of a sign of entrusting, I would say, at, at least in terms of what you're giving to the Lord. I think that's a word that has a lot of layers to it. You know, and so you talk about surrender, I mean, you know, it's different in the game because I'm out there yelling to my team, never surrender, never retreat. But when it comes to God, it's, it's totally different. The notion when we hear surrender, it takes such a negative tone because we feel like it means give up, it means quit. When you surrender, you're giving up to things that are, that are going to suffocate you anyway. And he's calling you into a life that in some respects may be different than what you believe is going to satisfy you, but it's ultimately going to bring you peace. There's many times where it's difficult to surrender to God. I think one of the main ones is probably when, when trials and tribulations hit because we're, we're trying to control it so much ourselves. I think everybody's default would go back to some form of selfishness. And for me, it just came to a point where I just got tired. I got tired of living that life. I got tired of living a double life. I've always wanted to know I'm going to be on this team for this amount of time and you know really have my future set. So that was selfishly just wanting to know everything was going to be okay you know and I think for me the course of my career being the way it has been um, it's continued to put me in a space of faith all the time you know it's a fight you know it's a fight with the devil it's a fight with the enemy it seems so backwards why why do I give all these things up that make me feel good right that, that seems backwards but there is such a greater joy. There's such a greater happiness and fulfillment in Jesus Christ. God's saying, hey, listen, you can give up and completely let go of whatever it is because I'm worth it. In turn, you're going to be giving, getting something by giving up a little. You're going to be getting something so much greater. I've heard all the, the, the sayings, you know, don't tell God how big your problem is. Tell your problem how big your God is. And, and, but when, it really, when re you're in the midst of it for real, you know, all those cliche sayings kind of just go out the window. And you're sitting there like, no, nah, I can handle it. And you, you want to just, you know, do it yourself so bad. But you really gain power through him when you surrender and let him take care of it. God wants everything. He wants your entire life. He wants it all because he knows how to use it the best. All the pressures of, of worldly expectations and standard are gone. All those things that used to weigh me down, I think it's not, it's not mine anymore. I don't have to worry about it because I've surrendered. When you surrender the things that you, know, you want to hold on to and say, I've, I did this, you know, I got it to the NFL. When you finally surrender those, those strongholds, you are free and you're at peace and there's no peace like the covering of Jesus Christ.
right? You see, when you are willing to give up things that we think will make us feel great or we think that are our true desires, when we're willing just to give them up, our purpose is realized, right? Greater things come into, into play. You could win the game, you could change someone's life, you could change someone's eternity. I think the player in the video that, that said it best was when he said, God wants it all, he wants your whole life because he knows how to use it the best. I mean, that's what we're all about here at the Foundry. Right? If we surrender our lives to Jesus and to his kingdom, it will be for our best, it will be our best life. Right, one of, one of uh, the ways that we live our best life is a, a life that is forged on God from top to bottom. Surrender to him to forge and to create what he's had in mind from the very beginning of creation. Right, it, it may not be our easiest life, but that's why it's called a surrendered life. Because it's not easy, but it is the best. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the apostle uh, Paul, he says this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the, the mercies of God, to present yourselves, your bodies, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? Paul is, is pleading with the, the Romans and with us to sacrifice all. All we have and all that we, we are so that we can be transformed, so that we can become uh, made new, become new. Now that sounds pretty good to me. One of, the, one of the biggest decisions surrounding today's game later this evening and the teams that are playing it is, that, will the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line protect Joe Burrow, their quarterback? Uh, will they protect him from Aaron Donald, defensive tackle for the Rams? And Aaron Donald is the best football player in the NFL right now. And if afterward you say anything about Tom Brady, I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> All right? Aaron Donald is a wrecking ball of a man. And the Bengals' offensive line has to stop them if they want to win. Right? Joe Burrow was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL during this season. If you don't know football, that's a bad thing. <laughs> All right? 51 times the offensive line did not do their job well enough to protect uh, Joe. 51 times. Listen to me, the name of the game for a good offensive line is our next word. Right? What we want to be seen and, and what it's like to live in the kingdom of God. And that's serve. Serve. Right? Offensive linemen are, are, are not there to become famous. In fact, unless you know a lot about football, you probably could not name one NFL lineman right now. It is their job to get on the field, to, to give up their bodies, and to do whatever it takes to take care of and to serve the people they've been charged to protect. Right? That is what service in the kingdom of God looks like. Right, take a take a, a, a look at this 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 next clip. One of our main purposes is to serve others. It's one of the ways we shed the gospel, not only through 
speaking it, but being able to show a Christ-like manner. There's so many different ways to serve. Just meeting other people's needs. Find out what you what you feel like God is calling you to do and what you like to do and what cause you want to help. If we're not focused on serving those around us, we start to I look back at ourselves. And once we get our minds on ourselves, we're not on mission, we're not on assignment. You know, there are people in this, in this nation that are suffering. And there are people in this world that are suffering. And how can I serve those? And in doing all those things, um, you're able to show the love of Christ. Christ set the example and we are, we are seeking him daily. Shouldn't we live out the way, uh, you know, he was, he was exemplified? When you read Mark 10, 45, there's an exchange that's happening there that's saying, whatever it takes for you to have peace and have a connection with God, I'll do that. And if we're gonna be a ransom to people and we're gonna serve people, that means whatever it takes for you to know peace and to know God, then I'll do that. When the Lord is supplying my needs and leading me and I'm close and seeking Him, then the reality of it is then is I can now offer that to other people around me. For me, what keeps me in a service mindset is not feeling like I'll be punished if I don't and don't do it. It's more so just feeling like well, what impact am I missing if I if I don't do this? I can always say, you know, God, when I have a little bit more, then I'll give more. When I have a little bit more time, when I'm not as busy, I'll serve more. I'll spend more time doing things that are going to uplift to your kingdom. But God is like, you know what? I always need people to pray. I always need people uh, that are give, and I always need people that are go. Well, I like to give a lot of wisdom to the young people, the young and upcoming generation, because they're so easily influenced right now by many different things that, I mean, this can impact their lives going forward. I've actually been to Honduras uh, to actually see some of the work uh, where people didn't have access to clean water and what it's done for those communities. I've had somebody reach out to me, help me out at every key point of my life, whether it was watching my dad grow up and seeing how he really served the community. I get to high school and I had a coach that poured into me. I get to Ohio State and play under a coach, Jim Trestle, who taught me all about faith, integrity. And so I know the importance of all of those small opportunities. That's the heart of serving, is just desiring so much um, that you would be willing to give up of yourself, of your resources, um, because you believe in so much in what you've surrendered to, that um, serving you know, becomes a posture of life and it becomes a way that you live. All right. All right. Isn't it amazing, at least I think it is, to think that when we serve others in the name of Jesus, right, when we're forging our life on him and we, we, we realize a part of that is, is service, that we are actually serving Jesus himself and his kingdom. Right? When we, we serve just each other and, and love each other and are a community with each other and are, we're making a difference in the world that is around us, when we're doing it in the name of Jesus, we're serving Jesus himself and his kingdom. We're serving his reign here in all of creation. So just like the, the linemen that we talked about, right, when, when they serve their teammates, they're not just serving their quarterback and their running back or the wide receivers. right? They're also serving uh, the defense who's, who's on the, the sideline and the, the rest of the team and eventually the coaches and the owners and then the fans. right? When, when players serve each other, teams win. Right? When, when we serve each other, the kingdom of God wins. Right? So our question from the beginning, right? right? What does it look like to be a person living in the kingdom of God? 
Well, we got to always be seeking. Right? We, we got to seek for the answers and the questions and for purpose and direction and, and wisdom. And we got to surrender. We got to surrender our wants, our desires, and our way of, of thinking what is right and realize that, that everything, the power that we have, is not our own but God's. And then we got to serve. We serve each other and we serve our communities. And it can become a lifestyle. At times when we're trying to, to look like we, we live in the kingdom of God, we are trying to, to, to seek, surrender, and serve. And, and we do that and we execute that to perfection. Right? Other times, though, we, we look like the Bengals two seasons ago. Right? So no matter how we're doing, how, no matter how we're, we're seeking, surrendering, and serving, whether we're doing good at it or bad at it, Jesus is still wading out in an open field with his arms stretched wide, asking us just to, to take that next one small step towards him, to, to embrace him, to forge our life on him. Right? We're not trying to earn his love because we already have it, but we're trying to, to respond to it. We're, we're, we're just putting that, that hammer to the anvil one more time, one more step, forging that life in the kingdom of God. And every step of the way, he's there with us, helping us and guiding us. I'm going to have the, the band come back up because I, uh, I sound a little bit more convincing when there's music behind me. I told Christina I was going to say that today. She said she bet me I wouldn't. <laughs> but listen, over the next few weeks, we're going to be kicking off a new series of sermons. Bo is going to be preaching next week, and we're just going to call this uh, generically follow, right? Follow a better plan for your life. Or to authentically follow Jesus. What does it look like? Or or we're going to look at different stories and different sections of scriptures, right? For, for many, the Christian life feels like the uh, long game of uh, Jesus Says, right? Another game that I was the champion of in the, the, the Shallows neighborhood, right? Simon Says, right? Sometimes the Christian faith can just feel like Jesus Says. Whether we have, um, we've been forging our life for years and years on God or, or we're just trying to figure out if God is even real, sometimes this faith thing just feels like Jesus says, right? like a game, right? Jesus says pray, right? he just, Jesus says give, Jesus says go to church. But listen, our, our goal, we want to we wanna look deeper at this. Right? And, and upon further investigation, we're going to discover that Jesus' invitation to, to his first century audience, right, the original invitation was an invitation not to some game, but to a relationship. Right? We want to seek, surrender, and serve. We have to do it in a relationship with God. It doesn't... It just doesn't want, if we want to live in the kingdom of God, if we just don't want to live in it, like just, just kind of going through the motions, but if we want to live in the kingdom of God and thrive in the kingdom of God and take it to the next level, it's about realizing that we have to have a relationship daily with our Lord. So that's what we're going to look at in the next few weeks. Let's stand up together and continue to worship, continue to celebrate our Lord this morning.